Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is the Reading Women Podcast, where we are reclaiming half the bookshelf by talking about books by or about women. And this is episode 17, where we are discussing nonfiction books. Hello, Kendra. Very exciting. Hello, Autumn. How are you doing? I'm fabulous. Yeah, it's it's been great. We've had such a great reading month, I think, with February was. So we're starting out fresh March. It has been, it has been a good start to the year, reading wise. Yes, and we interviewed Christine, which was amazing. Magical. Oh my goodness. I, the love for her is genuine. This is real. Like She's charming. Like, she really is charming. Uh, she's just so wonderful. I am a fan for life. Like, this is a relationship that is committed. Definitely. Fangirl for real life. So speaking of things that we've been reading this month and really cool other things, book news... I have some very exciting book news. In the last month, I have attended two book signing events. Cue the trumpets and fanfare and confetti. Um, The first one that I attended, I think I mentioned it before. Did I mention this already? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we just talked about it or if we actually talked about it on the podcast. I don't remember either, so I'm going to mention it again. So earlier this month, I got to hear... um, Elizabeth McKenzie talk about the portable Veblen and I had not read the book before going but it was hearing her talk made me want to read the book like she did a ton of research about squirrels to write this book <laughs> like it was crazy like she was sitting there like talking about like the, the gray squirrel migrations in North America and I'm like she's like she's not joking like she put a lot of time into researching the science behind this book so that was really cool to get to hear her talk about her book. And I actually started her book this week, and it is fabulous. So I'm sure I will have a report on that sometime in the next few months. And then just last week, I got to see the grand and glorious and beautiful and wonderful Brit Bennett. So jealous. So she is amazing. Um, it, it was a packed house of people who came to hear her. So then she talked about the mothers and... If you haven't read The Mothers, it was a runner-up pick for the Reading Women Award in fiction this past year. And it is, it's one of the best books I've read in a long time. (laughs) It is so good. Like, her prose is just magical, and the story is, like, so moving. It's so good. I, so I got to hear her, and she was very kind, very humble, uh, extremely intelligent. One of the things that she talked about and this is not a spoiler. Um, we find out early in the book that she has an abortion. And so one of the things she said that she was interested in writing was about the male perspective of the aftermath of an abortion. There was just like some really great tidbits about her writing process. And she said it took her eight years to write the book. Yeah. And I mean, she put a lot of work into it. And I think that it shows and how I think one thing that I often forget about when I read a book is how much editing goes into constructing a good book and hearing her talk about how long she spent on just crafting it just reminded me of the whole writing process, which is writing plus editing. So it was great to hear her. She's really, really cool. I I really loved her. I watched it um, virtually because we are in the age of technology. Yes. So it was fantastic. They did like a Facebook live stream and this is at, um, acapella books and they are 
they were just great with it. And this is actually like a part of a monthly series or something. So anyway, so she was just amazing. And I really love hearing how different drafts are. Like we think of a draft in like, you know, high school, college, grad school, whatever. Like a draft has small changes, but no, like drafts for novels often have vastly different changes. Um, some can even be, you know, told from a different character's perspective or a different tense or um, no, first, you know, a different, all well, tense or different person, first person, third person. And I just really love her like saying, well, this originally so-and-so had a brother, but right. <laughs> it's gone. Which I, I was like, oh, I wonder what his brother would have been like. Right. <laughs> and you're like, I, she's like, I kind of miss him. <laughs> yeah. So she was absolutely great. And as we said, it's at Acapella Books in here in Atlanta and they do Facebook Live. Well, they did for this past one, so they might in the future. So if that happens, we'll definitely clue you all in so you can see these um, author talks yourselves. Yes. It also increases my collection of signed books. So Kendra's getting a whole stack of them. <laughs> Slightly obsessed with hardbacks and signed hardbacks. So. Hey, you could be obsessed with worse things. I'm just saying. That's true. I've got to say, as far as hobbies go, mine isn't that expensive. This is true. Not like cool. I mean, it could be expensive. It could be sports cars. You know, just saying. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what are we talking about this month? Nonfiction books. We have everything from historical books to more pop, poppy culture things. We have one that's like an illustrated edition, and we have a memoir. So we're saving essay collections for later because we just had so many of those. They're just we're just putting them on an island to themselves, and we'll. We'll talk about them sometime in the future, so that will be fun. But right now, we're doing these, and we've pretty much decided on these. Granted, there was one book I was trying to decide on last night, so I may just have to just, <laughs> like, I couldn't decide. I changed it low live four times, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to include some of these things in our wrap-up post just because there's just overflow. So. Uh. And here, listeners, you're discovering how podcasts are really made. Yes, yes. And a whole lot of planning and a lot of spur-of-the-moment decisions. And Kendra checking out her Goodreads at 2 a.m. in the morning, so yes. So my first pick is The Princess Diarist by Carrie Fisher. And let us just take a moment to lament her <sighs> passing. Oh my goodness. <sighs> it totally threw oh. my Christmas season off the rails, let me tell you. That was a really sad couple of weeks there yeah and then her mom died the next day I know and I love Debbie Reynolds oh singing in the rain one of my all-time favorite movies anyway I am a closet Star Wars nerd but I guess I am no longer a closet Star Wars nerd since I'm announcing it on this podcast <laughs> welcome to the outside Adam I do love Star Wars I, I really genuinely do <laughs> <laughs> I think that there was a general spike in interest in this book after she died, but just because it's popular, I don't think means that you shouldn't read it. So I had to wait for a while to get this one from my library. And it's a short book. It's only, it's not even 300 pages. And actually, I listened to the audiobook because she actually reads it. And oh, I, I love heart. it when people read their own work. Her daughter actually reads sections of from her there's a part where her daughter reads in the middle um but Carrie Fisher reads the rest of it which is incredible because she's able to add 
personality to the pages. So I guess in summary, she talks a little bit about what it was like to be cast for Star Wars and kind of how that came about. And then she talks a little bit about, well, not a little bit. She talks a lot about the affair that she had with Harrison Ford while she was filming the movie and kind of why she did it and what happened and how it, like, just all the circumstances surrounding it. But she's funny, too, because she's like, no, I'm not going to give you the details of what happened, like, in private. (laughs) She's like... She's like, if you're looking for some juicy gossip, go somewhere else. Like, so she's super straightforward about the whole thing. So she just basically goes through that and then kind of talks about the legacy of Princess Leia and how people have responded and kind of the fame and how that affected her life uh, up until, you know, the time that she died. And she, one of my favorite parts is near the end, she says, she said that when she was approached to do episode seven, that she was kind of upset when they handed her a script because she was like, wait a minute, I'm Princess Leia. I've been Princess Leia for 20 something years. How dare you tell Princess Leia what she's supposed to say? And I laughed out loud. Like she's so, she's adorable and charming. It's not like super deep and it's not a comprehensive biography or anything like that at all it's just kind of her thoughts about the Star Wars franchise and then her as I said her daughter reads some excerpts from a diary that she kept while she was filming Star Wars and she's a very good writer actually yes her poetry is fantastic oh it's beautiful it's like very understated and not pretentious at all very and I I really loved like how she viewed her relationship with Harrison Ford like she knew they would never be together but she still couldn't help herself from wanting to be together but she knew it was ridiculous yeah so I appreciated her maturity in knowing that but at the same time she was in love like she couldn't help herself right and I mean Harrison Ford so (laughs) right I mean seriously who was immune to that just saying who was my first uh, celebrity crush. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yes, I was a huge Indiana Jones fan as a child, which does not make sense because no child should be watching that, but I did. Well, <laughs> you, you turned out okay. Well, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so that is the Princess Diarist to buy the one and only Carrie Fisher, a.k.a. Princess Leia. So on a totally different note is my first pick, which is Cleopatra by Stacey Schiff. And this book, um, we pick, I actually picked up at the Decatur Book Festival, and I picked it up in paperback. I was like, well, I don't really get paperbacks, but if I find it in hardback, I'll buy it. So I found it in hardback like two seconds later. Like, it was oh, okay. a magical weekend um, for all. We can just say that. It was. It was. Like the hardback fairies smiled down upon me. And... <laughs> Because we all know I'm terrified of my books disintegrating, so I get hardback. Anyway, we won't go down that rabbit trail. So I found this book, and I picked it up, and I was like, I want to read this book. And it took until now for me to, to read it, but I actually found it on audio and ended up doing that. So I just loved the story about Cleopatra, and I learned so many things I didn't know about her. Like, unfortunately, she's portrayed as a woman of 
ill repute, you know, because she slept with like, she never actually slept with her husband. He was her brother, which is gross anyway. I didn't know, but the pharaohs at that time from Alexander the Great were actually Greek. They weren't actually Egyptian. Interesting. Right? Isn't that fascinating? The family, the Ptolemies, took over a lot of um, the godlike status of the pharaoh, but they weren't actually of Egyptian heritage because Egyptian was conquered around the time of Alexander the Great. So apparently all of the pharaohs are supposedly related to Alexander, and that's how they got the pharaoh throne, but then they just took on the title of pharaoh. There's your little fun tidbit, historical tidbit from, from the book. But more importantly, she was an amazing ruler. She actually took her kingdom from almost disintegration to a great and powerful country, but then she and Mark Antony really went too far in they flouted their power and whatever and got in a lot of trouble, obviously because they died. So <laughs> I really like Stacey Schiff and how she approaches the book. So she says, well, so-and-so said this, but so-and-so disagrees, but we don't really know. But we do know that so-and-such, and I really like how she admits what she doesn't know, how they would think that <laughs> it's like it, could, it couldn't have been because she had a braid oh, that's funny I know that's why I love this book because I mean women she points out that women were supposed to be of like this really pure whatever status so the fact that um and the Roman culture was like no pearls no opulence very like you know suffering is great kind of thing and the Egyptians were very much into learning and flashy jewels and stuff. So the fact that she was a woman, she had power in a country where women were like legally minors and, well, not in a realm, I guess. There's just so many fascinating things I could geek out forever. I'm going to stop because you have to read the book. You should have to read the book to learn all of this wonderful stuff. So definitely go check out Cleopatra and learn that she's not actually a woman of ill repute. She's wonderful and glorious. And I want to, I was about to say, I want to be here when I grow up, but I won't go that far. <laughs> That's interesting. I would like to read that. I will add it to my ever growing mountain of TBR. So that is Stacey Schiff's Books. Cleopatra. And definitely check that one out. My pick is Hidden Figures by Margot Lee Shutterly. This book is amazing. <laughs> I wanted to try to see the movie before we recorded this, but alas and alack, it did not turn out. So if anyone's seen the movie and would like to compare it to the book, I am all ears. As most of you probably know, but maybe not, um, this is about the first African-American female mathematicians at NASA, which is um, like, it, it's an incredible story. And I kept thinking as I was reading, how on earth have I never heard this story before? It's just incredible because it's like these women like got these jobs at NASA before it even was NASA. So before there were computers, they would have human computers. And so these women were hired as computers to do math calculations that they first used for testing jet planes in World War II. And then after the end of World War II, the department moved over to uh, looking towards space travel. And so the women started doing calculations for the very first spaceships. It is, this is a very 
wide spanning book because it's almost 400 pages. Well, it's about 350 pages, but they are jam packed because not only does Shutterly talk about the women and their roles in NASA and the contributions that they made and all of the struggles and all of the things that they had to go through to be successful there, but she also puts in a lot of historical context. Like, this is what was going on in America while these women were working at NASA. At this exact same time was Brown versus Board of Education, and at the same time was like March on Washington. So she does a really good job of giving us these historical signposts to kind of help you position it in American history as we know it. I just loved, like I'm trying not to talk about this too much and geek out all over again, but I really liked how she talked about these women and where they came from and she would like profile the different ones and like how they led the way and the different things that they did with their family. And I think you know, there wasn't just one type woman. There was These were all strong women with different stories. And she goes into a lot of detail about each of the women. And it's just, it's just fantastic. Well, and she even goes so far as to show the second generation that these women influenced. Main women that she follows are Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, Katherine Johnson, and Christine Darden. And so they were at NASA for 20 plus years. We follow them long enough where a second generation of African-American female mathematicians are hired into NASA because these women paved the way for them to get there. So it's really fabulous to see that, that they had an influence and then they were able to see the fruits of their labor uh, quite quickly, all things considered, you know, just one generation. So it's like their daughters and their friends of their daughters were became mathematicians because they were. You finished it before I did, but you said that you loved how in the beginning she points out that this is important, period. Like, it's not just important because it's, you know, women of color doing fantastic things because they've, you know, always been doing fantastic things, but, you know, just to the history of the United States, this is an important story. Yeah, and, and she points out at the very beginning, like, the reason she wrote the book is because her father said, hey, you know, so-and-so who lives in our town was one of the first female computers at NASA. And so she kind of has a personal connection to the story in that way. And she does point, she does make it very clear from the beginning that this story needs to be told because it belongs in the history books with the Wright brothers and, you know, Albert Einstein and all these other people who are often touted as these giant scientific characters and she's like well these women their stories need to be just alongside of those oh and I also should mention there's also a young readers edition of this book I I have not seen it but I I know it exists so if you have some young readers or some who are uh, interested in math or interested in science you could definitely pick up the smaller young readers edition it so that way they can read it too. So that was Hidden Figures by Margot Lee Shutterly. So before we move to the second half of our podcast, it's time for a shout out for Book of the Month. We, as if you listen to this podcast, we are huge avid fans of Book of the Month. I mean, seriously though, but who doesn't like getting books in the mail? Like I get so excited. I am addicted. I am addicted too. Like it is just the most magical thing to get a book in the mail. I don't know what it is about it. But so book of the month 
sends you, you pay for, you get a subscription and you get a brand new hard copy book in the mail and it is a third of the cover price. It is some ridiculously cheap price and they're beautiful and they often send little special treats in with the box too, or in the box too, like sunglasses or stickers or who knows, they just send all kinds of little things. And one of the books that they have available now is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. And I'm reading this book right now, and I'm so addicted to it. It is around 500 pages. Isn't it like 500 pages? Yes. It is It's a beast of a book. It is a family saga about this family who lives in Korea, and then they have to leave Korea, and they move to Japan. And it's like multi-generational, multi-decade thoroughly engrossing i have blown through this book it like i'm surprised i will testify i can't put the thing down like (laughs) it is so engrossing so anyway so you can get it for book of the month and book of the month right now and even if by the time you listen to this the month has already passed you can always add a book to your box for 9.99 which is stupid cheap and if you have a month and you're like none of these books are really getting to me you can skip that month and then see what's coming out next month and I have done that before and that is very nice that they let you skip months so we will have a link in our show notes and if you want to subscribe to book of the month and use our link it helps us and it helps you because you get magical books delivered to your door every month so I think it's time for your pick yes yes so uh, next we have um Something a little different, which I don't think we've talked about too many illustrated, like, editions or... They're not really a coffee table book, but um, it's just gorgeous. So this is uh, Bad Girls Throughout History, 100 Remarkable Women Who Changed the World. And this book um, is just so amazing. And this is from a small little press called Chronicle Books, and they do fun, different things and they just do fun different books. And uh, this is by Anne Shen. And she put together um, illustrations that she did of different women throughout history. And then she gives like the photo on one side and then the, you know, what they did on the other side. And I read this book in pretty much one sitting, um, but you can, you know, pour over it more. And oh my goodness. So she talks about different books and she talks about like, the reputations that each woman had. So some of these women have really bad, I guess, like Cleopatra. You know, Cleopatra has a struggling reputation, but really uh, she talked about how, what an amazing ruler she was. So she talks about a lot about women who supposedly had these bad reputations, but she talks about like their time period and the amazing things that she did. She does like Margaret Thatcher and Dr. Ruth, you know, the sex doctor and, um, she does Angela Davis and Nellie Bly and just so many different um, activists and authors and really important women to history. And I just thought it was fantastic. I would say the age is probably like young teenager through, I mean, obviously adulthood, but I think this would be great if you wanted to give it to a young woman who you wanted to teach more about the amazingness of women because this book is just one of my favorite things I read last year, and I think we posted about it on our social media. We have. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. Like, I think a book like this is ageless. 
Because if you want to learn more about some of these women who've been overlooked in history and you just want, like, a brief two-page summary, then I think this is a great book for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I also appreciated, like, how balanced this book was because I read another book around the same time um, about, you know, general women in history, and I thought it was a bit um, one-sided. Like, it wasn't didn't allow room for more conservative women as well as more liberal women. And I really like how this one, um, it doesn't like try to make them out to be more than they really were um, from the actual evidence we have. And yeah, just all the stars. So yeah, that is Bad Girls Throughout History, 100 Remarkable Women Who Changed the World by Anne Shen. Then my last pick is Behind the Beautiful Forevers by Catherine Boo. And... I was a little bit skeptical of this book when I but when I first read it because it is a it's so it's a book about the slums in India specifically in Mumbai and it's written by a journalist a white journalist so I was you know with fear and trepidation I read this book so Catherine Boo is a award-winning journalist and she's written for the New York Times and she's won Pulitzer Prizes and the MacArthur Genius Award and the National Book Award. And uh, this book specifically won the Penn Award and Los Angeles Times Book Award and the New York Public Library Award. Like, so like she's very, very, very well-decorated uh, journalist. So I think the fact that she is a journalist really helps her have a more objective eye about the topic. So basically she follows this one young boy who lives in these this slum near the airport in Mumbai. And so she goes, she talks about a, a wide variety of subjects, but she talks to families and she learns about the ecosystem and like how, like how the slums came about and why they're there. And then the businesses that are within the slums and like these whole, it's like they're these little cities within a city because there's, so she talks about the people who have like different jobs, like some people collect scrap metal and some people sell food and some people like, and then there's also a, a class hierarchy within, like, so there's wealthier people and poorer people. And she does a really great job of showing just, just how it works and just giving an insight into how this modern city could have like such terrible poverty in the middle of like this bustling modern city definitely taught me a lot about an aspect of culture that I knew nothing about and it's written journalistically but it's also very narratival like you forget that you're you almost forget that you're reading nonfiction. she does such a good job of t telling these people's story these people's stories not just talking about people does that make sense yes yes it's it's like you're reading it's almost like you're reading um, like a novel in many ways. Yeah, it really is. You have characters that recur, and she does a good job of making it very story-driven, but as well as informative. So she uses the story to inform you of these people's lives, and it's so beautiful. It was a very beautifully written book and heartbreaking, incredibly, incredibly heartbreaking. Yes, because some of the stories, like they strive their entire lives to better themselves, but for one incident with the police or whatever, with the bribes needed that can wipe out their savings. 
it was it's extremely well done. Um, if you're inter- if you're interested in learning more about about this topic or just looking for a good nonfiction, more journalistic kind of book, highly recommend it. I've not read any of her other books. I've been meaning to, but never gotten around to it. Or some more for other journalism, but I would definitely recommend Behind the Beautiful Forevers by Catherine Boo. And that is to our last pick, which is totally a totally different wavelength. So there is no transition for this because this is Cinderella Ate My Daughter by Peggy Orenstein. And this is talking about how the girly girl culture of basically pink has swept over how we treat our girls uh, growing up. And she does an amazing job at looking at how Americans in particular raise their daughters and how media and marketing and all of these different industries have just influenced the way that little girls grow up. And one of the best images in the book for me was when um, they had everyone, uh, a classroom of both boys and girls, draw what they wanted to be when they grew up. And they noticed that boys had a wide variety of things that they wanted to be, like superheroes, firemen, police people, doctors, whatever. But girls, they were all ballerinas, fairies, or princesses. (laughs) And you're like... That is exactly the problem is that uh, she talks about how we are limiting our girls' imagination of how they can see themselves. Uh, and she talks about some of the psychology about how that's a very, you know, younger age girls, it's a very big policing age. So, like, they police their own genders. Like, boys aren't supposed to do this, or girls aren't supposed to do this, or girls don't do that, or whatever. And so she talks about how that's a problem. She talks about, um, she talks about the shift um, like when I was growing up, we had a wide variety of color, colors. Granted, they were all like pastel, but you know, there's a bunch of them. But now it's like pink, 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 50 shades of pink. <laughs> there we go. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> you know, and I, I love, love this book because I read it. I read Girls and Sex and then I read this book because I was like, I have to read more of her stuff. And then I was like, Autumn, you have to read this book. And so basically I put this in here because then... Autumn would for sure get a chance to read it. And I, this book was amazing. I've always had a problem. Well, maybe not always, but I've had a problem with princess culture for a long time. Like it never just set right with me, even though it had a very pro girl message, it just always felt awkward. And I never understood why until I read this book and I went, Oh, that's exactly why I have a problem with it. I want to give this book to all the teachers ever and like have it sit on their desk for parent teacher conferences and like every parent gets a free book. Like, <laughs> And I think it's good for parents of sons too. Yeah. And I think a lot of this he talks about, you know, it is subconscious. Like we don't even realize that this is the type of culture that we're promoting. And it's not, there's nothing, as she points out, like there's nothing actually obviously bad with princesses in themselves. It's just the fact of, it's only princesses. Right. Just like women are only in these little boxes that are acceptable. And boys have five billion different things they can be, while girls are just in this thing. She also points out, too, something that I thought was very insightful, which is that once you start making things like toolboxes gender specific, like the, or she even talked about like Yahtzee games. So there's like a regular Yahtzee and then a pink one. Well, sure, you can look at it from the perspective of, hey, now a girl has her own. But she said that what it does is it further separates the genders 
because now potentially the girl's version can be seen as inferior to the other version. Like it's a dumbed down version, which is a very valid point. Yes. And I really appreciate that because I really liked pink, but then there was like a light switch and then I hated pink and I still am not the biggest fan. And I really struggled junior high girls still love like pastels and stuff. And I never was a girly girl. And so I really appreciate how she commented that, you know, a lot of times if girls don't like that thing, they feel like there's something wrong. But then again, there's a lot of social pressure to like the thing. I'm, I'm going to have to stop because this is actually one of the books that we're going to talk about if you hadn't guessed already. Uh, <laughs> yes. So we're just going to, we're going to stop and you'll just have to come back next time. Yes. <laughs> that fantastic book is Cinderella Ate My Daughter by Peggy Orenstein. And that is, that's it. That's all of our selections. I guess next normally we do new books, but as we talked about last time, all the new books are have been expanded and we talk about them more in depth and stuff in our newsletter. So you can go to our show notes or our readingwomenpodcast.com uh, and subscribe to the newsletter and get that amazing, wonderful thing, which um, I'm having the most fun in the world researching new books. And we also have author interviews, like we just did one with Emily McDowell. Who I love. I love Emily McDowell. Yes. Yes. Autumn introduced me to her empathy cards, and that's actually uh, what the interview was about. So actually, we put that interview on our website, so you can go check that out and see some of the stuff that's in the newsletter. But all the new books are just in the newsletter. So so we'd like to give a shout out to Valkyrie923 and Ruth Emmy for their kind reviews and thank you so much uh we really appreciate it and like we immediately we really do we take like screenshots and like you know send it to each other and it really makes our day um we work really hard on the podcast and bringing you excellent content so it just really warms our little hearts it it does it makes our whole day that's everything we're at the end of another episode and thank you all so much for listening next time you can join us and we will talk more in depth about Cinderella ate my daughter and hidden figures. And as always, you can find me autumn privet on Twitter and Instagram and Litzy at autumn privet. And you can find Kendra at KD Winchester at all the same places. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you later guys. Bye. Bye.